Welcome to the Journey Church Podcast, where as a church, we believe that Jesus should be accessible to anyone. So if you're at home, work, or somewhere in between, you can have access to the weekend worship experience. We'd love for you to stay connected with us by visiting us at journeyorl.com or any social media platform using at journeyorl. Thanks for being with us, and we really hope you enjoy this message. Come on, tell them it's good to see you. It's good to see you. Amen and amen. God is in this place, amen? That's good. Truth is, he's the only one who needs to be here today to make today special. And you, you got to be here uh, today too. Your attention, your focus, because I think God's going to do something special uh, in your life. Well, uh, I'm excited to get into the message. Before I do that, I just want to introduce myself. If we have not had the opportunity to meet yet. My name is JJ, and alongside my wonderful, beautiful wife, Liz, who usually sits right there, and she's not right there, she and I uh, have the honor and privilege of serving during church as its pastors. And so, again, if you didn't know that, that means you're a first-time guest, and we're so grateful and humbled that you would decide to be with us on this Sunday when you can be anywhere. It's a big deal to us that you chose to be with us. If you're looking for a home church, Look no further because we think you found it. You're surrounded by some of the most authentic, loving, caring, beautiful, honest, nice people. The world is in shortage of nice people. That's because they all go to Journey Church. And, <laughs> and, uh, and to prove it, we want to welcome you one more time. Come on, Journey Church. Keep it going. Come on. Say what's up. Hello, our first time guests. Keep it going for Journey Church Online. What's up, Journey Church Online? So glad that you can be with us, Journey Church Online. Thank you for being with us throughout the pandemic and still being with us and joining us over the internet through your laptops, computers, and uh, phones, and uh, iPads, and all the other devices. We just, we love you so much. And we're grateful that our church family goes beyond uh, just the people sitting in, uh, in this room. Well, I'm excited to share the message today, but, but we're, we're in a good season. We've got summer coming up, and I know summer is exciting for you depending on who you are. If you are a student, you are excited about summer. Yeah, unless you're a senior in high school, then you're freaking out because you <laughs> got to go to college. If you are a parent, you are excited about summer if you were homeschooling before the pandemic. But if you sent your kids to regular school and they did not, uh, and they, they're there, and now you have to figure out what in the heck to do with them for the rest of the summer, then you are not as excited about summer. Um, but I'm excited about summer here at Journey Church because we got a lot going on. Next month in July, somebody say July. July. At the Movies is premiering. Premiering. At the Movies is premiering. At the Movies is a fun time. It's a couple of weeks out of the year that we show some blockbuster movies, some Hollywood classics, and we preach out of them messages that are in the Bible. Jesus preached stories all the time, and modern-day stories are, are found in, in movies. And so if you would like your movie to be in this series, I'm going to ask you to email connect at journey. I'm just kidding. We're not going to let you pick the movies. And, um, and the reason is because we can't trust what you'll send, Okay. Some of y'all got that rated R taste and we just can't, no, we can't, for the 50th time, we cannot preach on 50 Shades of Grey. We can't do it, okay? It's <laughs> just not enough scenes in that movie, you know, that are gonna know. Um, maybe in your small group. Maybe not in your small group. <laughs> Don't do that either. But it's gonna be a lot of fun. And then on, on June 26th, Saturday, June 26th, we've got, later this month, we've got team conference. <laughs> team conference. Make some noise and wave your hands if you're on the dream team. Come on, you're on the dream team. Come on. <laughs> it's like we set you all up in the front. <laughs> That's crazy. And uh, our dream team, if you're not familiar, is what we call our volunteers here at Journey Church. And we try to make it our goal to make sure that serving on a team is not just about you serving, but about you receiving and growing as ministers, as leaders. We want you to grow as fathers and mothers, boyfriends and girlfriends, brothers and sisters. So. Every once in a while, we take time out of the year to invest in you and to pour back into you what you've so generously poured into this church. So June 26th team conference will be an opportunity for you to do that. And if you are not on a team, it'll be an opportunity for you to meet some people on the team and maybe who knows, get connected and begin to serve here at Journey. We're gonna need your help because our church is growing fast and we can really only grow at the speed of, of, of those who are willing to serve. And so I, I would love it if you'd consider being a part of this amazing team. Uh, it's not like your job. You're gonna love it. Unless you do love your job, then you'll love this more. Okay, I promise. 
But today, today we are going to start our first sermon of a three-week sermon series. What is a sermon series? Just a collection of preachings. And it is titled, Not My Master. Not My Master. And this is going to be a series on money. And I'm smiling so hard right now. And I'm not even trying. I'm smiling hard right now because I know there are two people in this room. There are those who did not grow up in church. And you're stoked for this series. You're excited because you got money problems. Say amen. Yeah, it was a little weak, but I get it. You got money problems. I get it. But then there's other people. You grew up in church, and you are not so excited about this series because you think you know what's coming. You brought your friend to church today, and you're like, I'm sorry, he's preaching about money. I'll just let you know right now, at some point in this series, it might be today, he's going to ask you for money because I've grown up in church, and this is what preachers do. And, so, and just so you know, you don't have to give anything because you don't have to get to the offering. And I just want you to chill out right now. Because over the next three weeks, I will not be asking you for an offering. But for the next three weeks, I am offering you. I am offering you a life where you are finally financially free. Ah, that's a good time to pray. I am offering you a night, a night where one of the things you don't have to worry about before you go to bed is money. I'm offering you a day where your biggest question is not who do I pay first, the cell phone company or the credit card company, but who to bless first, your cousin Laquisha or your Titi Cristina. It's your choice. I'll bless Laquisha this week and I'll bless Christina next week because God's blessed me like that, that I've got so much overflowing that I get to pour out into the lives of those around me. If you're new to Christianity, you should know that money matters to God. Here's how much money matters to God. It's the number one topic in the Bible. Jesus talks more about money and the Bible talks more about money than any other topic there are more than 2,300, that is 2,300, 2,300 verses on money. That is five times more than faith the Bible talks about, and that's more than five times the amount of times the Bible talks about prayer. The Bible talks about money. 11 of Jesus' 39 parables, those are the stories that he tells, like the prodigal son or the rich young ruler, the story. 11 out of the 39 stories are stories about money. And this one really blew me for a loop when I did the research. One out of every seven verses that Jesus speaks in the Bible, in the New Testament, is about money. One out of every seven times a verse is in red in your NIV or New Testament red Bible, red letter Bible. He's talking about money. And I just want to let you know that the reason that God cares about money is not because God cares about money. Like, I need to say that because I had some people last year, there's one friend of mine who stepped away from the faith and he stepped away from the faith. He said, I just can't believe in the Bible anymore. I said, how come? He said, because I feel like it was written by people. I was like, it was written by people. That's not a secret. He goes, yeah, but I mean like God didn't tell him what to say. Like even they thought, and I said, well, why did you think that? He said, because I read Revelations and in Revelations, the streets are made of gold. And he said, that's such a, a human thing to write that gold would be in heaven. Why would anybody even, why would God even care about that? I'm like, bro, you missed it. <clears throat> the streets are made of gold. In other words, that's what your puppy poo-poo's on. <laughs> like that's what your dog goes to the bathroom on, the streets of gold, because that's how worthless gold is in heaven. We step on it. It's not valuable to him. It's the ground we step on to show the difference between what we value in heaven and what we value here on earth. The only reason why, why money matters to God, well, let me just put it like this. Money matters to God for the same reason dust matters to me. Let me explain. I don't really care that much for dust. I'm not a dirty person by no means. Am I a dirty person? But I, don't, I wouldn't say I was like the cleanest person. And by the way, like I take showers and brush my teeth. I'm just saying like, you know, there are some people that are like, they take out the fluffy thing and they, they electrostatic the dust from behind the TVs. And like, I'm just not that guy. But my wife, Lish, she's very much that person because her and my son, Justice, are allergic to dust. 
which it wasn't a problem until we bought our new house. We had some dust issues there. Now, keep in mind, I don't care about dust, but I do a lot of things for dust in my house, even though it doesn't bother me at all. Like, I don't mind her extensive cleaning. She, she, sometimes it goes to the next level. If you live with somebody who does next level cleaning, you know what I'm talking about. But that's cool. I'm, I'm, I'm cool with it. When I started, began to have a problem was when we became those people. You know what I'm talking about. Those people who make you take your shoes off before you go into their house. <laughs> Raise your hand if that's you right now. Nobody likes coming over your house. <laughs> they bring extra socks. They got to wash their feet before they get in there. I remember when she first started doing it, I was like, why are we taking off our shoes? She's like, because it brings in the dust. I'm like, why does the dust feel like the devil right now? Like, we can't like, <laughs> keep him out the house. Like, it's like, but you know what, babe? I get it. it I, 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 I'll do it because it bothers you so much. But it didn't end there. Then we ended up paying money to get the ducts of our house clean. You know how expensive it is to get somebody to come in with machines and stuff and get inside the ducts and clean it? It's a lot of money, but that's fine. But it didn't end there. <laughs> now we get in three different rooms. We have, what do you call them? We got air purifiers in three different rooms that suck up air, purify it, and throw it back out, which I wouldn't mind, except they are the loudest machines. No matter what time of the day you walk into my house, it sounds like a plane that's about to take off. <laughs> At any time of the day, all the time, it'd be midnight, you're trying to sleep. Can't even have conversations. What'd you say? I'm sorry, you're hurt. You fell down the stairs. I can't hear you, the purifier. Still out. <laughs> but I do it without complaining. <laughs> not, not because I care about dust, but because I care about Liz and because I know how it affects her. If there's too much dust in a room, it affects her breathing. If there's too much dust in her bedroom at night, she'll lose sleep. If there's too much dust in one room, she won't be able to get into that room. If there's too much dust outside, she has to stay in the room she's in. And most importantly, I, I care about dust because of the way it affects when she's not feeling well, the way it affects my relationship with her. So what am I trying to say? I'm trying to say that to God, money is like dust. It means nothing to him. The only reason he cares about it is because of the way it affects you, the way it affects your breathing, the way it robs your sleep at night, because money has a way of keeping you from stepping into certain rooms that God has prepared for you, and it keeps you locked into certain rooms that he's been trying to get you out of. But most importantly, God cares about money because money affects your relationship with him. This is what happened when Jesus was feeding the 5,000. The, the, the parable of Jesus feeding the 5,000 where he took five loaves of bread and two fish and fed all those people is not the parable of Jesus feeding. It was the parable of Jesus preaching. Jesus was preaching. And in the middle of his sermon, he said, yo, they're hungry. He said, let's get them some food. They said, we don't have no food. They said, give me what you got. He broke the bread, fed 5,000. And you know what happened after he fed 5,000? He went back to preaching. You know why? Because he was saying, I cannot meet their spiritual need if I don't first meet their physical need. And there's some of y'all in church right here, right now, who cannot hear a word I'm saying because all you hear on replay is the phone call you just had with the creditor. And you got some financial needs in your life that are not being met. And because they're not being met, you could care less about what Jesus wants. And God knows that. And that's why this sermon series is for you. God wants to help you get right on your money. This sermon series is for anyone. This sermon series is for parents who are struggling to send their kids to school looking nice in nice clothes while still trying to keep the lights on at home. This sermon series is for the unemployed whose checks are starting to run out while the hospital bills are piling up. This is for the retired folk 
at our church, the retired community, who you got money because you're retired and you did it good, but you don't got money to last forever. You're the only person in this room right now who does not want to live forever. <laughs> retired people, raise your hand, retired people right now, where you at? Come on, you know what I'm talking about, right, ma'am? You know, you're like, I want to live this long, but I can't live this long. Because I don't know that I got enough. I need to live right here so that Jesus can take the bill from this point on in heaven. Because we got streets made of gold then, but not right now. We don't got streets made of gold right now. This sermon series uh, is for people who don't care about money. Like Journey Youth. Let's be real. I remember being a teenager. Care about money? Mom and dad got that. You know what you care about? Love. <laughs> That's what you care about. Care about old boy, old girl, and your friend, and your. <laughs> I just care about love. And if I just find someone to love, then I'll be all right. I don't need money. We'll live on the trail. What's the trail? <laughs> I don't care until you find out that the second reason people get divorced the most in the United States is finances. Then you go, okay, maybe I will do a credit check <laughs> on him or her. This sermon series is for people who don't have problems with money because their money is good and don't realize that your problem with money is not that you have a money problem, but that you have a purpose problem. You got all this money sitting in your account, but you don't know how to use it to add value to your life. What to do with it to help others. And if I have not hit you yet with my Holy Spirit drone, and I'm praying, touches people. You ever have a Holy Spirit drone when you're sitting down and you're like, ooh, that was for me. Zzz, boom, you know what I'm talking about? It's like when Jesus plays Duck, Duck, Goose in the, <laughs> in the sermon. He's like, that's not for me, that's not for me. Goose, that, that's for me, that's for me. If I have not goosed you yet. <laughs> here's, here's this one. Here's this one. This sermon is for anybody. This series is for anybody who thinks that their problem with money is that they could use more of it. That's, that's, that's all of us here who are like, here's my problem with money, Pastor. I ain't got it. <laughs> bada bing, bada boom. <laughs> I said, I don't need no Bible verses. I don't need no translation. I don't need the Hebrew and the Greek. I can tell you right now my problem with money. I ain't got it, and it's a problem. <laughs> but here is my sermon to you today in one sentence, my point and my only point that I want to make to you today, if you're taking notes. Your problem with money is not your lack of, but your relationship with. Amen. I know I need to prove that to you because some of y'all are like, no, no, no. My problem is that I lack for, for sure, 100%. Let me, let me help you. I'll help you with a, a, one more story about, about my wife, Liz, and this will be my, my last time I use her in a sermon illustration today. Today. I know there are a lot of stereotypes about women drivers and, and, and their wives who don't drive well, and I just want to let you know I don't believe that. You're welcome. My wife is an excellent driver. She's one of the best drivers that I know. It's really good. Weird time to amen, dude. Um, <laughs> but it's like, have you been in a car with my wife? I got questions. Um, <laughs> uh, she's an excellent driver. So good. She's so good. But she is a terrible backseat driver so bad. And there's some things she says to me while I'm driving that really mess with me. Uh, there are three and I wrote them down. The, the first thing she says to me is slow down. Slow down. Babe, slow, slow, slow down. You got to slow down. I'm like, what do you mean? She's like, the speed limit. You got to slow down. I'm like, the speed limit? Who taught you that the speed limit is the ceiling of how fast you're supposed to drive. All of us know. The speed limit is not the ceiling. The speed limit is the floor. Where are my people at? 
Hey, how much? Five over. We all know. Nobody taught us that. We just know. So it'll be 45, and she'll be like, the speed limit, the speed limit. I'm like, what? Who are you, and who taught you to drive? 45 is where we begin. <laughs> and we go, oh, you can call an accident. It's 45. It's the first thing she says to me. The second thing she says is, red light. Red light, red light, red light, red light. I see it, man. I did not get colorblind from the time we left our house to this intersection right here. Why do I have to stop six car lengths from the intersection? I don't understand. Red light, red light. I see it, red light. But this is the one that gets me the worst. Babe, there's a car. Babe, there's a car. Babe, there's a car. There's a car. Watch out, watch out, watch out, watch out, watch out. Babe, there's a car. There's a car, babe, watch out. Which is the worst thing you can tell me. Because I was driving fine. Until you shout. Watch out for the car. Then I'm like. And something like that happens. It's like, I was doing fine. Now you scared me. And now I might hit the car. Not to mention it because I stopped so short. The car behind me had to stop short. And we all gonna die. Here's the problem. A car is designed for multiple passengers. But it is not designed for multiple drivers. Money was designed to be a passenger in your pocket. Not the driving force of your life. And so a lot of us got money as a backseat driver in our lives shouting at us and we can't focus on what God wants us to do or who God wants us to be or where God wants us to go because money be wildin'. <laughs> and, if, and if you lack it, it shouts. You don't got money, don't do that. Don't start that business. You don't got no money, don't, be, don't go back to school. You don't got no money to be going back to school. It's only community college money. It don't matter. You don't got that money. Don't go back to school. Slow down, money says. But if you got it, money shouts too. Yeah. Yeah. How many people remember what they did with their stimmy? (laughs) Stimmy is short for stimulus. Remember that? When you had money, money wasn't like slow down. Money was like, yo, you got money. Speed up. Buy a boat. Just go for it, man. We got the money. Let's go. Let's get that flat screen UHD 89-inch TV with the VHD and the 3D and the... I don't know any more names, but, you know. Speed up. Money shouts at you, but money, listen to me, is never supposed to be the driving force of your life. You are giving it the wheel. Yeah, it's not work. It's not healthy. And it's stressful. What should be a pleasant experience going through life in your car becomes stressful because money keeps shouting at you. You ain't got me, spend me. If you look at the sermon series title, of this message, not my master. We did something special here with the S and the T. We turned the S into a dollar sign and the T into the cross right in the middle of the word master because we're trying to communicate to you that both money and God are fighting to be the center of your life. There's a tension within them to be the one calling the shots, to be the one to tell you where to go. The Bible supports this in Matthew chapter 6, verse 19 through 24. If you don't have it, it'll be on the screen behind me. Do not store up for yourselves treasures on earth where moss and vermin destroy and where thieves break in and steal, but store up for yourselves treasures in heaven where moss and vermin do not destroy and where thieves do not break in and steal. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. Now, for some reason, Jesus is about to branch off into some type of optometry lesson as he begins to speak about the eyes. And I don't know why. Actually, I do know why. And I'll explain why near the end of the sermon. 
but he starts talking about eyes. The eye is the lamp of the body. If your eyes are healthy, your whole body will be full of light. But if your eyes are unhealthy, your whole body will be full of darkness. And then the light within you is dark. How great is that darkness? And here's verse 24, the one that we're building this sermon series on. No one can serve two masters. Either you will hate the one and love the other, or you will be devoted to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve both God and money. And God did something that he's never done before in the history of the scriptures. He puts himself and money in the same sentence. Not because God and money are on the same level, but because you can believe in God without him being your God. You can believe in God without him. Even the demons believe in God, the Bible says. He's just not their God. And there are some people, if we're being honest, and I don't want to offend, I don't want to judge, because I'm sometimes in this too. If we're honest, God is not our God. Money is our God, and money is our master. And I don't have to point. I'm just going to ask questions, and you let me know if you fall into one of these categories or if you answer yes to one of these questions. Here how you know, here's how you know if God is your God or if money is your God. If God is your God, then when you need to make a decision in life, you go to God's word. And you go to prayer because God is the one who makes the decision in your life. But if money is your God, then you don't go to God's word or to God's prayer at all. The only thing you got to go to to make the decision is your bank account. And if you got enough money for it, then it's what God wants for your life. Let me, let me make it a little more clear. When you want to decide what major to study in college, do you ask God, what did you create me for? What is the passion you've placed in my heart? Or, or do you ask which one pays the most? Because that's going to be the thing that I study. Then maybe, maybe God's not your God. Maybe money is your God because it made the decision. When it comes time to picking a job, do you ask yourself, is this workplace conducive to a healthy relationship with God and my faith? Or do you ask yourself, what are the benefits? Because I could really use some, some dental. <laughs> Teeth is jacked up. I could really use some. When it comes to the move, do you ask God, Lord, is this the place you want me to settle down roots and to build a family here? Or do you just ask, well, what's the cost of living there? When it comes to having kids, do you ask the Lord, Lord, is it time? Are we ready to have children? Do you want me to pass down this Jesus story to the next generation here? Or do you sit down with your spouse and go, well, is it really something we can afford right now in this season of our life? When it comes to picking a man, Let me not, let me not. <laughs> Do you ask yourself, does this person love Jesus? Will this person be a great father? Does this person have character? Do they, do they have integrity? Or do the only question you ask yourself is, how much does he make? Because if he makes that paper, he could be my boo-boo. <laughs> when you shouldn't be asking how much does he make, you really should be asking how much does he tithe? By the way, holla at your boy because I got that information. I can tell you right now. <laughs> Pretty sure I can. I can go to jail for that, but <laughs> you ask him if he ties. And listen, I'm not saying that all of those questions are bad. You should ask those questions. Let me just free you up right now. If you're dating somebody, you should know if they have debt. You should know how much money they make. Not on the first date. Simmer down. But somewhere along the road, you need to ask them, what do you do for a living? And what does that pay? Just need to know what I'm stepping into. <laughs> it's, not, it's not bad to ask those questions. What I'm just saying is not everything that makes money is from God. And not everything that loses money is from the devil. When Liz and I set out to start Journey Church, this was not a money decision. I was making $120,000 working three different jobs. I had the most money I've ever made in my life till to this point. They were retirement benefits, everything. And when God called us to start this job, he called us to leave everything to do it. And so we quit our job. We sold our home and we cashed out my entire uh, IRA, my entire retirement account, put it all towards the church and went unemployed for a year. That was not a money decision. If money had been the driver, this church would never be here. But I decided that God would be the driver. I'm just saying, you got to learn to distinguish decimals from destiny. They're not the same. 
They are not the same. Not everything with more zeros at the end of it is what God wants for your life. It, they're, they're just different. And for some people, again, God is, money is their God. And here's how I know, because God wants to work on your life when you come to church on Sunday, but you won't come to work, you won't come to church on Sunday because you're working on Sunday. Now, I'm not trying to take shots on nobody, Journey Church Online, like, I don't know who this is, I don't have anybody in my mind as I'm saying it, like, oh, he's here, no, I don't know you. But I do know when I ask you why you're working on Sunday, I often get some version of like, well, I have to. I have to to provide for my kids or I have to to pay off that college loan. I don't know what your world is and, and I don't know how much money you lose by working on Sunday. But let me guess, maybe $12 an hour, $15 an hour. Maybe you do really well. Maybe by working on Sunday, you lose $19 an hour. You know what I know? That ain't as much as Chick-fil-A loses by being closed on Sunday. Chick-fil-A loses $19 million every Sunday that they're closed. And you're probably like, well, of course a pastor's gonna go to defense for Chick-fil-A. No, I hate that. You know how many times I've driven into the drive-thru <laughs> at Chick-fil-A on a Sunday thinking, stupid Christians, I wish they would. <laughs> I'm hungry, give me the chicken sandwich. <laughs> but I gotta be honest, it's refreshing to see a company that isn't run by decimals, but destiny. <laughs> If Chick-fil-A can lose $19 million by being closed on Sunday, maybe we should close on Sunday too. Maybe God could do more in six days of work. Didn't he make the whole world in six days? So maybe he can do more in six days with less money than we can do in seven with more. That's how I know. If God is your God or if money is your God, money makes the decisions. I got to do that because, you know, God's God, but I got bills. And so I get it. I get it. I get it. For many people, God is their God if, when you need to feel better about yourself, you go to God. I need to feel better about myself, I'm gonna go to God. God, speak to me, I wanna go to you because you, you add worth to my life. If God is your God, when you need to feel better about yourself, you go to God. If money is your God, when you need to feel better about yourself, you go to the store. And you buy something that makes you feel good. You buy the new upgraded iPhone 55. I don't know what version they got right now. And, 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 and you'll spend $100 on a steak. And you know, I'm not hating. I've done both. I got the new iPhone right there. Not the new, new one, but the last one that came out before this one. And, and, I, and I've spent $100 on a steak. I love to eat. I've done that. I'm just saying, do you need those things to make you feel better? Or can you have self-worth eating a cup of noodles? And I'm not talking about like a cup of noodles. I'm talking about like the ramen noodles. How many people know what I'm talking about? Come on, that 25 cent ramen noodles that is like dehydrated that you got to put seasoning on. And I used to collect the packets. I used to, I remember eating dinner like, mm, what am I going to have today? <laughs> Shrimp powder or chicken powder? I'm going to mix it. I'm going beef powder today. I'm going out. And I would eat that. And even though the meal didn't, didn't cost a million bucks, I felt like a million bucks because I knew who my God was. I'm just saying, do you need the newest phone to feel good about yourself? Or can you feel good about yourself if your phone flips? If the only app on your phone, now the only people who's going to get this joke right here is going to be millennials and boomers. Do you, can you feel good about yourself if the only app you have on your phone is Snake? <laughs> I don't know if you remember the Nokia days. Remember the Nokia phone? Snake, that's it. Gen Z has no idea. Snake, look it up. It's fun. Before Angry Birds, we had Snake. <laughs> like Angry Birds is so 2000 and whatever. Um, that's how you know. Here's how I know. Here's how I know for sure, for sure. If money is your God or if God is your God. The way I know is the way that all cultures throughout all time have recognized who their God was. Whether it was Buddhism, whether it was Taoism, whether it was Confucianism, whether it was Islam, whatever religion, Judaism, the way that we always recognized who our God was, was by your willingness to sacrifice to it. So I know that God is your God when I see some families like Ernesto and Kathy get up at 6 a.m. or whatever, 5 a.m. To, to be here because Ernesto's on the production quality control team and, and, and Kathy, she comes and she supports him and together they search. Kathy doesn't have to wake up that early, but she comes up because she wants to support them. I love when I see families sacrifice for God together. It's a beautiful thing. But have you ever had to sacrifice your family to money? Have you ever say, no, I can't go to that game. No, I can't do that party. Sorry, son, I can't throw the ball out with you because I've got work. 
or, or put your family to the side. Have you ever had to sacrifice your health for money? Put your health aside. Have you ever had to sacrifice your values for money? Your morals? How about this one? Have you ever had to sacrifice your dream for money? Working a nine to five at a job you hate instead of pursuing the thing God has for you because got to sacrifice, got to keep money happy. If money is your master, let me just tell you right now, money makes a bad master. Two things I'm going to say real quick, and I'm going to tell you how to break free hold from the money. Number one, money makes a bad master because money makes promises it can't keep. Money will promise you that if you have it, everything will be fine. Money will promise you that if you have it, you don't got to work a day in your life. Money will promise you if you have it, then your health will be good. If you have it, then you'll find love. But you know how I know money's a liar? Because rich people get cancer too. You know how I know money's a liar? Money would just fix the issues in my relationship. Word, rich people get divorced too. If I just had money, I wouldn't be stressed. Really? Rich people suffer from anxiety too. Well, we have an alcoholism endemic here in the nation ever since we came out of COVID. People are abusing alcohol and money. Is the solution to that? Uh-uh. We got poor people getting drunk on 40s and we got rich people getting drunk on cognac. Well, you know, there's a problem with the opioid, opioid addiction in our country and, and, and money is going to make a promise to solve it. We just gave them money. They'll be all right. I don't think so. We've got poor people overdosing in alleyways, but we got celebrities overdosing in mansions and hotel rooms, and money makes promises it can't keep. There's somebody who's thinking, I know how I'm going to get a beautiful wife. I'm going to get a beautiful wife with money because I've never seen a rich person married to an ugly person. I just know if I get money, my girl's going to be fine. I know it. Maybe, but you better hope she's fine with the prenup because she ain't with you because she loves you. Money will make you a half promise. You'll get her, but she'll just want you for your money. And as soon as your money's gone, she gone. Makes promises they can't keep. Secondly, money makes a bad master because money is never satisfied. Never satisfied. Ecclesiastes 5.10 says this, whoever loves money never has enough. Whoever loses wealth is never satisfied with their income. This too is meaningless. Money will always ask you for more. Always ask you for more. Always ask you for more. I got a friend who recently, or had recently, he made $20,000 in Bitcoin. $20,000 in Bitcoin. That's a lot of money. Some people have made millions. He made $20,000. He came up to me. He was like, Pastor, what do I do with this money? I was like, number one, tithe. I didn't say that. I didn't say that. I said, I said sell it. Make the $20,000. He said, no. You know what he said to me? He said, never. I'm like, I don't think you know how this money thing works. He goes, never. He goes, I'm a buy and holder. I go, so, so when will you sell? When will you sell? He goes, I don't know. Maybe when it hits 100,000. At that time, Bitcoin was 60,000 a coin. He said, maybe when it hits 100,000, then I sell. But he don't understand human nature. The moment he gets to 100,000, what's he going to say? More. You mean I have a chance to make, I have a chance to make a million dollars? So I'm going to hang in. I'm going to hang tight and I'm going to stay here. Now it lost half his value. Now he didn't make that much money because it was not satisfied. And here's the application of this. If you can never have enough money, then when will money ever be enough for you? When will you ever know to stop taking shifts at work? If money can never be enough for you, then how do you know how many shifts are enough? If money can never be enough for you, then when do you know when to stop upgrading? Upgrade your TV, upgrade your phone, upgrade your car, upgrade your house, fix everything. When do you know if, if it'll never be enough. All right, so then how? How do we break the hold that money has on us, being the master of our life, declaring and deciding where we go? Remember that ophthalmology verse? Let's go back to there, verse 22. The eye of the lamp, Jesus said, the eye is the lamp of the body. If your eyes are healthy, your whole body will be full of light. But if your eyes are unhealthy, your whole body will be full of darkness. If then the light within you is darkness, how great is that darkness? If you want, he's talking about the eyes and money. Because here's the truth. If you want to change the way money has a hold on you, you have to change the way you behold money. When you change the way you see money, you change the way money controls your life. I wrote it this way. This is my first point. Money is not my master. Money is my tool. Money's not my master. Money is my tool. Second Corinthians chapter 9, verse 11. God will make you rich enough. Someone say rich enough. 
so that you can always be generous. And your generosity will produce thanksgiving to God because of us. God will make you rich. Wow, that makes some of us uncomfortable because we didn't know that God wanted us to be rich. Let me just tell you right now, God is not anti-rich. And the reason why God is not anti-rich is because he knows until your needs are met, you can never help meet the needs of other people. I got some tools at my house. I got some tools at my house. These are the tools I have in my house. And honestly, I don't have a lot of tools, but I got these. And if you own a home, let me just tell you right now, these are the only three tools you need to fix the majority of the problems in your house. Tool number one, a hammer. Everybody needs a hammer. It's good for hanging stuff up. It's good for disciplining your children. I don't mean hitting them with it. I just be like, you know, scare them with it. Don't do it. I don't do that. Don't abuse your kids. Second thing is a power drill, cordless one. You need a power drill. The third thing is an adjustable wrench. If you got an adjustable wrench, Journey Youth, take notes. An adjustable wrench, a hammer, and a cordless drill, you got it. But there are sometimes, there are things in my house that are broken that I don't have the tools to fix. And I don't know if you know where to go when that happens, but I know where to go. My pops. My dad is a general contractor. And he's got so many tools. If you were to see his work van, it looks like a Lowe's on wheels. And I've never been in a situation where I needed a tool he didn't have. I'm so grateful that he didn't just have all the tools he needs, but that he had more than enough tools so that when his son came asking for help, he was able to use the abundance of tools that he had to be able to fix the problem that I had in my house. You know what one of the most selfish prayers you can ever pray is? And you've prayed it before. God, just help me meet my needs. God doesn't just want you to have the tools that you need. God wants to bless you in such an abundance so that from your abundance, you can help other people. In other words, money is not a way for you to buy the things you want. Money is a way for you to meet your needs and then help other people meet their needs in the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. This is why God wants to bless you. He wants to give you more than enough to help others in Jesus' name. He said, and then when you help them, God will get glory. So how rich is rich enough? Does God want me to be a millionaire? Does God want me to be a billionaire? I don't know. What if we took it off of God and we just put it back on you? What kind of lifestyle do you want to have? You want to drive a Beamer? Drive a Beamer. You want to drive a Civic? Drive a Civic. You want a vacation two cities away? Sarasota is beautiful. You want a vacation two countries away? Costa Rica is beautiful. Here's my thing to you. Whatever standard of living you want to live at, though, you're going to need way more than that. God wants to give you way more than that so that you can bless and help those that are around you. So have your enough, but then you got to have more to to help others. I love my father-in-law, Pastor David is what we call him. And if you haven't met him, he's a little bit flashy. A little flashy. He comes to church in his... uh, green suits and his blue suits and his purple suits and his, he comes dripping too, got big old chains and sometimes he'll rock a fedora hat. He's just OG, just looks like, you know, like he's like a godfather, you know, like the Christian godfather. Like Joe Pesci got saved and that's my father-in-law. And, and he always has driven nice cars. He's always driven nice cars. And he's always had big houses with so many rooms. And his garage is always packed full of stuff. Let me just tell you right now, Goodwill ain't got nothing on my father-in-law's garage. It's got so much. One time I walked in there and there was an inflatable raft inflated. <laughs> on the top of the shelf, I asked him, I said, Pastor David, I said, why you got so much stuff, man? He said, because you never know what someone might need. I said, how come you got so many rooms? Because you never know if someone might want a place to stay, which is so true. I've had to stay in this house and my home was under renovations. I came out of my tower, there was like three strange women, like on the second floor, just looking at me. I was like, excuse me. They're like, sorry, we live here too. (laughs) I was like, I had no idea. He just always opens his home to strangers. And why do you dress so nice and you dress so extravagantly? He goes, I just want people to know that if they need help, I'm a person that they can come to help for. And I've never seen anybody more blessed in my life than my father-in-law because I've never met anybody more generous in my life than my father-in-law. God doesn't give you money because you earned it. He gives you money because he knows that he can trust you with it to get it to the people 
who really need it. Money is not the reward. Money is the tool that produces the reward. I said it like this way. So then if money is not the reward, what is the reward? Don't ask God for more paper. Ask him for more purpose. Don't say, God, make me rich. Say, God, give me a business so that my business can make so much money that I can give away a portion of those proceeds to help rescue women who are struggling from sex trafficking in third world countries. It's not God, give me rich. It's God, help me start uh, this company so that I can create jobs for people who need jobs. God, I, I love Michael Cole. I don't know if he's in this story. Michael, you here today? I love my boy, Michael Cole. He always tells me, he tells me every time I talk to him, he goes, he goes, he goes, a pastor, I can't wait. He goes, I have a dream. And it's not a dream to be a millionaire, which he was at one point in his life because he was won a Super Bowl with the New York Giants. He said, I, my, my dream one day is to write a million dollar check to Journey, he said. That's my dream and I can't wait to do it. He said, because I know where it goes. I know the wells that we dig in Africa. I know the people that we help sponsor for college and I want my life to matter. I'm not building a company for me. I'm building a company to be able to bless the world. Money is not my master. Money is my tool. It's my tool to help others. Don't you understand that God wants you to prosper? And this is the biggest difference, by the way, between prosperity teaching and what the Bible teaches. Prosperity gospel is a bad teaching in church that says God wants you to be rich and have all nice things because he likes to baby his children. Eh, eh, that's not what the Bible teaches. Can I teach you what the Bible teaches? Go back to 2 Corinthians real quick and then we'll keep going. 2 Corinthians real quick. God will make you rich enough. Look at these next two words. It's these next two words that is the true teaching of the Bible. Not prosperity to be comfortable and be nice. God will make you rich enough so that. My question to you is what's your so that? You want to be successful? So that. You want to be, make enough money? So that. You want to have three or four or five or six franchises? That's cool. So that. What's your so that? Because if you can give God a purpose, he'll give you the provision. This building was not here because we have money. In 2019, God gave my wife and I a vision that we would be in a building. We didn't know what it was, but we knew it would be here. So with no money, I stood in front of you two years ago and I said, we're going to get a building. <laughs> Will you help raise the money for it? <laughs> Without the money, we had the vision. Provision follows vision. What, so that, what's my purpose? God, give me a dream. Finally, money is not my master. Money is my tithe. My tithe. Now, for those who don't know what a tithe is, a tithe is when we return, I'm using the word very carefully, return to God the first 10% of whatever our income is. So I, I give the Lord the first 10% of my money after taxes, and then whatever I get on my tax return, I give the first 10% of that. Before I pay Spectrum, okay, I give my money to the first 10% of it. So I make, make $1,000 a month, I give the Lord $100. That's a tithe. Every month I do that. Now I know what you're thinking. I'm a pastor, but you said, in this series, you said it, you started off and now you lie. Because you said you were not going to raise an offering and I see you pastor doing some preaching Jedi tricks right now. I see you trying me pastor. I'm not lying. I didn't say I would raise, I, I said I wouldn't raise an offering and I mean it. But a tithe is not something you offer. A tithe is something you owe. Yeah, let me show you where it all started. Genesis 28, 20. This guy named Jacob, he's got nothing. He's broke as broke can be, living out on the streets. But back then the streets were deserts, living out in the desert streets, the dreets, living out there. And broke as broke can be, he falls asleep and he has a dream. And in his dream, he, he, he gets a dream. And this dream is an amazing thing that God's going to do in his life. The whole people of God are going to come from him. He's going to start his own business. It's going to be called Israel. It's going to be beautiful. And he wakes up and he gets this dream and he gets on his knees and he prays a prayer. He goes, wow, okay. Jacob made a vow. If God will be with me and will watch over me on this journey, hello, shout out journey, I am taking and will give me food to eat and clothes to wear so that I return safely to my father's household, then the Lord will be my God. And this stone that I have set up as a pillar will be God's house. And all that you give me, I will give you a tenth, my tithe. 
And so every month that Jacob started his business and his crops would multiply and his fruit would multiply, Jacob would take the first 10% of the grapes and he would take the first 10% of the lambs and he would sacrifice them and he would give them to God, not because God wanted the money. God ain't in heaven trying to make payroll for the angels. Because I'm going to tell you, it was a bad month. I need some more. You know why he did it? Because of the promise. He did it as a recognition that everything I have might be mine, but it came from you. You are the one that blessed me. And so this is my way of reminding you that this is, and showing the world that this is yours, that I know where it comes from. I know where it comes from. I know where it comes from, which is why God gets so mad when we don't give it. Malachi chapter three, verse eight through 10. When we don't return it, I should say, not give it, return it to him. Because that was the deal. You didn't know that when you became a Christian, you stepped into this thing that was already pre-negotiated. <laughs> Will a mere mortal rob God? Yeah, you robbed me. When I first read that, I said, how in the world can you rob God? Did you get in an elevator? Do you climb a beanstalk? Get up to heaven, steal the golden egg and come back down. How can you rob God? God's like, I'm glad you asked. <laughs> but you asked, how are we robbing you? <laughs> he said, in tithes and offerings, you are under a curse your whole nation because you are robbing me. When you don't tithe, you're not robbing God of money. You're robbing him of the glory that he should get for what he did in your life. Any photographers here in the house? We're about to close. Any photographers here in the house? I see you, I see you. Okay, cool, cool. Steffi's one of the best photographers I know. If you're getting married, hit her up. She's really good at what she does because we don't pay her enough. So please, hire her. about to have a baby. Take care of her, okay. I asked her before the service, I said, has your stuff ever been stolen before? Like, have you ever seen pictures that you've taken at a wedding show up in a wedding magazine without your permission? And you said, it happens often. I said, well, what do you do? I said, I got to call them. And if they don't take it down, then I got to sue them for the damages. And because that's my picture. I, I'm, I took that picture and they can't take credit for my work because they're robbing me. When God says you're robbing me, he's saying, hold up. That's not your work. Oh, oh, you thought because you got the job that you were the one who deserved the job? There were eight other candidates, but because you are my son, I gave you favor at such a level that you excelled. Oh, you think you did that? Oh, you made it through the pandemic? Fine, and you think you made it through the pandemic? You don't know that it was me? That you better give me my glory. You better give me what's due me. You better, that's my work. I'm the one that got you through that. Oh, because your family is together or because you had a baby, you think you made that happen going boom, boom at night, uh-uh. Millions of families try to get pregnant and don't. I was the one who put the seed in your womb. Don't you take credit for my work. I did that. Come on, how many people know God did that? Yeah. Have you ever looked back at your finances, at your bills, you come out of a tough season and you grab a calculator? Yes. And you're like, hold up. How in the world? How does one plus one equal five? <laughs> Come on, make some noise if you know what I'm talking about. <laughs> how in the, oh my God, how does, how does eight plus eight equal 32? You'd be like Justice when he first was learning addition. When my son Justice was first learning addition, I said, Papi, what's two plus three? He said, 23. <laughs> but that's how it works in God's kingdom. He'll take two, he'll take three, he'll make it 23. When we honor him and trust him, let me say it this way. When you tithe, you're saying, money is not my master because God is my provider. Hey, so I don't care if I can't afford it. He's the one who I get my resources from. I used to be pro poor, y'all, broke. Y'all don't know, because you see me here, big church, you think, oh, he's doing pretty good now. Not always. Remember when we were so poor, we lived on food stamps. Remember food stamps, babe? That was fun. I remember the first time I went to Publix with my EBT card. For all y'all who weren't poor enough, food stamps, now they do this card. And you swipe it and you get your stuff. It's from the government, they pay for it. But you gotta be poor enough to get it. We were. I remember the first time I went shopping up, I was so embarrassed. The lady was like, what you wanna pay with, cash or credit? I was like, EBT. So I'm sorry, sir, I can't hear you. What would you like to pay with cash and credit? I was like, easy. <coughs> There's a line, you know. <laughs> sir, you need to speak up. EBT, woman, I'm poor, okay? 
just take the car. Sorry, I'm, I'm in ministry. It doesn't pay a lot. I'm sorry. That was the first time. After that, I got real comfortable. After I was like, okay, this is on the government. All right. <laughs> I walk in there all bold. I'm like, let me get some toilet paper. Let me get some toothpaste. I showed up at the counter at the cashier. She's like, sir, EBT doesn't cover toothpaste. I'm like, I'm sorry. I'm new. I'm new. I'm new to, I'm new to all this. <laughs> Go, man. But you know the best thing I love about being poor? That government health insurance. Mm. Come on, somebody. Y'all know. That government health insurance is the best. I would walk into places, it didn't care what it was, everything was covered. Get a foot off, they'll put it back, no bottom. They'll do it. If you need a new heart, we got you. I know a guy. The government is government. They would just do it, man. It was just the best. But then something happened. I started to make money. But not so much money that I was balling. Just enough money to not get the government stuff anymore. And it was so frustrating because the moment we got money, I was like, well, I guess we don't need the government anymore. And by the way, I'm not knocking government services. I'm so, I'm so grateful for them. My grandmother is one of 11. Uh, my grandmother had 11 children, and the only reason she kept them alive with no husband to support her because he was an abusive maniac was through services like welfare. And so I'm, I'm, I'm so grateful for those, for those things. I'm, I, I don't want to abuse it, but I'm grateful for it. I'm glad that it was there. But I made just enough money. And so I said, let's go get some insurance, babe, because we should go do be responsible Americans. And this was during Obamacare when it was like the law. I was like, let's, we got to get some insurance. We got to buy it. So I went to buy this insurance. It was the cheapest insurance I could find. You're so bad. They didn't cover anything. I will go in there and I'm like, this cover, and they're like $200. I'm like, $200? $200? Why the heck do I have insurance? Sir, this is called the copay. There was no copay with the, with the government. Well, we have a copay here, sir. It's 200 Then you have a limit of 250 Are you telling me I'm covered for $50? And I pay 500 a month? What are you talking about right now? I was so mad. And it's crazy because I had less protection with more money. But when I had less money, I had more protection because of who my provider was. When my provider, when my insurance provider was the company, they could only give me so much because the company has limited money and limited authorities. But when my provider was the government who had all authority and all the money, or they could just print money if they wanted to, when they were the provider, they could cover anything that I needed. I'm here to tell you today that you need to switch providers. Because that money you're putting your trust in, it don't give you protection like God gives you protection because money is limited and money doesn't have authority. But there is a God in heaven who has all authority in heaven and on earth. He owns all the silver and the gold and the cattle on a thousand hill belong to him. Put your trust in the provider. Jesus, your provider. My tithe is saying, God, I trust you more than I trust money. Because you're where my protection comes from. Yeah. Not Benjamin Franklin. Not Donald Trump when he was signing them. No. You, God. You are my provider. Every head bowed, every eye closed. You're in this room today. I want to pray for you. I got three people I want to pray for today. First people I want to pray for today are those who are far from Jesus. You got, you got no relationship with God. Up until this point, because your dad was always hustle, 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 hustle. Make that money, make that money. Money has been your God. You've lived your whole life making decisions based on what your income is and your expenses are. And, and today you realize that he's a, he's a bad master. Money is a bad master. If that's you, when I say three, I want you to raise your hand because you are switching providers today. You're going to give Jesus a chance to be the one who provides for your life. You're going to give him your heart Today is going to be the first day of the rest of your life. Maybe you've never prayed this prayer before. Maybe it's been years since you've prayed it. If you're in this room, when I say three, shoot your right hand up. Jesus, I need you. One, two, three. Right now, all over this building, raise your hand. When I see that hand, brother, I see that hand, brother. I see that hand, brother. I see that hand, sister. I see that hand, brother. I see that hand. Thank you so much for raising that hand. I see you in the back. Put your hand down. Let me pray for you. And I want you to repeat this prayer after me. Right now, if you raise your hand, would you repeat after me? Father God, 
Today, I make you my provider. I put my trust in you. Forgive me of my sins. Lead me into my future. My life starts new today. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen and amen. Come on, everybody, welcome all those who raised their hand. Come on, I don't want anybody leaving yet, but would you stand on your feet and welcome them like you got new brothers and sisters added to your family. Hey, we're gonna close right now with the song, right now. Right now, then Pastor Jenny will come out. She'll let you know what we're doing in the world. It's amazing stuff. But listen, this is the moment. So key, so key, so key, don't miss this. I wanna do a prayer for those who listen to me. You believe in God, but he's not your God. Money has been your God. You've been disobedient in the tithe. You've been robbing him of the glory of everything that he's done in your life. And today you wanna make that change. You wanna make that difference. God, I wanna make you be the God of my life. I'm gonna put you back in the position that, that you deserve to be in. If that's you, I want to pray for you. And here's the third person I want to pray for. It's all of the hundreds of people in this room and online who have been faithful tithers, but your child's sick. Faithful tithers, but the bills are, are packing up. I want to pray for you because I want to remind you of what you already know, and that's who your provider is. Amen? Well, go ahead. Let me pray for you. Come on, if you want God to bless your life, would you just receive that right now? Maybe extend your hands. Just receive that blessing. He is your provider. Right now, I'm going to pray for you. Father God, we love you and we thank you. You are our provider, not our credit card, not Visa, not MasterCard, not a stimulus check, not any type of credit, or you are our master. And today, we declare that we place our trust in you. We place our trust in you. Come on, somebody say that. I place my trust in you, Jesus. 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 We hope you've enjoyed this message, and we would love to hear your story and how this ministry is changing your life. Please email us at amen at journeyorl.com. And if you would like to support financially, you can give online at journeyorl.com give. If you're in the area, join us on Sunday for the full experience. Have a blessed week.